0: that you might just have to press continue to allow that to go i want to just remind you that um, these evenings are being recorded so that if you would like to go back maybe you missed one of them um there's three uh in total um you can go onto the church website and it'll be there as a podcast or if you're on Instagram, you can um, connect with um, Sarah or at the Bridge um, Instagram account, and uh, and she will forward you the podcasts if you want that. Uh, you're free to share them, um, and uh, just enjoy. Um, welcome to the Jerzak Deck. We're out here, even though it's cooled off a lot, it still felt better to be out here than down in our basement so uh, welcome here um, from wherever you are and. um, Thanks for joining us brads right beside me we're sharing the laptop today and uh, he's going to take over from here, so we can get started. (laughs)
1: juggling things one moment I'm sorry Um, yeah so welcome here I uh, um, just by way of review uh, this is a three-part series the last part uh, we began with with reimagining prayer was it and then we went on to reimagining scripture and we and now tonight as we're talking about reimagining faith community and um, so let's pray first. As a as a beloved son, I'm asking you, as a good father, if you might help us tonight to understand by the Spirit what Jesus was up to with His ecclesia. And uh, where our imaginations have become wounded and bruised over the topic of Christian community at times and in an era and a week when church is a swear word, we're, we're asking for something fresh and something ancient. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, again, by way of review, why did we choose these three topics Uh, reimagining prayer reimagining scripture reimagining i'll use the c word the church (laughs) um and it's because in this popular notions of 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 deconstruction those those three topics have become very either confusing or even toxic but certainly Uh, need a second look. And in fact, I meet many believers, probably almost daily, I get messages about those who, for whatever reason in their experience, have given up on prayer, given up on the Bible and given up on church. Um, Of course, I'm also speaking mainly to bridge people here. So you still have a healthy dose of all three. So that's good. Um, And Then in that case, I don't have to maybe convince you, although it can often be good to hear that you're not crazy for not giving up yet. (laughs) So I'd like to confirm that. Um, I want to, I want to say something a little strange. I believe in the church, in prayer and in scripture, because Jesus did. And in fact, that's also where I met him, in those three venues. Even though one might say, I've also bumped into the devil in those three venues. But just by way of, a, of an exercise, um, if I, I'm hoping that some of you uh, have authentic money. Um, but if you're worried about counterfeits, you can send me all your authentic money. <laughs> and this is what often happens because we've seen counterfeits we want to get rid of the genuine we think that's somehow a solution I've heard bad prayers I've read bad Bible verses I've gone to bad churches therefore there's no such thing as good prayer good scripture, good churches and so I think I'll just bow out completely those are the messages I get and I'm like I sure hope you feel that way about money, because I will I will gladly take all your authentic money if you're afraid of the counterfeit so much that you're willing to throw the baby with the bathwater. Right? Sorry about the mixed metaphors. So I th- we did already talk about um, you know sometimes we need to reimagine prayer in ways that work for us so that it's so that we're moving into a living connection. We need to reimagine scripture so that we're interpreting it the way the early church might have and tonight uh, i want to talk a little bit about scripture i had an incredible chat on the phone the other day with paul young and, and we started thinking together about how were those kind of words um we we end up falling into one of two ditches and i'll come back to what i think is the central path in a moment this would apply to things like church. On on one side of the path, the word we used for the mistake is when we codify it. That means you turn it into such a hard and fast structure or system with a selection of rules and hierarchy and power dynamics that, that it becomes very rigid. And for those of us who felt very rigid churches with very rigid power structures, with active hierarchies, it, it, it can be pretty painful. The other ditch is when words like prayer or like Bible or like, um, let, well, like community, but also other words like the poor or whatever thing you're passionate about, when they become so abstract that they mean nothing. And so church is a great example of this. I used to go to a really religious church. That meant codified, right? And now, you know, I think I go to church anywhere. Church is everything. Church is everywhere. Church is when I go to the the pub with my buddies. Church is when I go to the mall and shop. Church is when I see a duck. You know, it's like, well, no. (laughs) Um, What might be a middle path? And so what Paul and I were thinking about is whatever prayer is, whatever the scriptures are, whatever church is. Now I'm going to just focus on church for the rest of the time. The church, that that church is something relational. It is incarnational. That's where the word becomes flesh, or the things we believe are embodied in real people, who love each other. Um, so it's it's personal, it's visible. So it's not just church as an abstract thing in the sky somewhere. It's actual people gathered around the new covenant. That's what it meant to Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm going to build a society called the church that gathers around the new covenant, around the good news, and from there, what he does and the, what the New Testament does is they use metaphors for it. And uh, the metaphors are not just descriptions; they're guidance. And so, I just want to share a little bit about how faith communities—we um, can be very, very—we uh, can be very creative in what they could even look like. And so, but but these are the metaphors that will guide us. So, um, the first metaphor I want to share is is that church is sometimes in the New Testament seen as a healing place, a hospital. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus describes priests and Levites from the codified temple system, passing by the half dead guy who's been beaten and left wounded in the ditch. The Good Samaritan comes along who doesn't fit the codified temple structures idea of who's in and out, but, he picks up the guy. He applies oil and wine. Very interesting. And then he carries them him to a hospice. And when he delivers that person to the hospice, he transforms the hospice into a hospital. He changes an Airbnb into a mass unit. And the metaphor then is, is that the church is... One metaphor is that were to be a healing place. Well, then how horrible it is is it when we're actually a wounding place, right? And so whatever we thought church was, if it was wounding instead of healing, um, maybe we were a gang, but we weren't much of a much of a church. But in Jesus vision, this this first metaphor is huge. He says, I've not called. The, I've not called the, those who. Th- I'm. I'm going to paraphrase him, um, to bring in the meaning a little bit. I've not come to call those who think they're righteous. Now he doesn't say think they are. He just. Uh, I've not called to come the righteous, but but to sinners. I mean, and he describes himself as a great physician. He's a doctor. And um, one of the problems uh, that you can run into in a in a church is even if it thinks it's a hospital, um, if if we think we're the great physician. <laughs> so in this metaphor, we remember Jesus is the good Samaritan who delivers us pe- people. And he says, I've given you everything you need to take care of them. And when I return, that's a clue that it's Jesus. When I return, if you find out that you've lacked anything in caring for them, I'll repay you in full, You know, uh, which is his way of saying, you're not going to. <laughs> You, I, will, I will give you everything you need, and we have the wine of the spirit. We have the, the oil of the spirit, we, and we, it's to be applied to wounds. And we are the nurses, or maybe we could, maybe maybe we should be more humble than that. We are the we're the medical interns, you know, and and so, but it's Jesus who's the great physician. And so, what if what if that were really were a guiding metaphor for what we're to be about? And so one of the things that we would do under this metaphor is we would we would consider who are the wounded, who are the damaged, who are the heartbroken and and we would learn um, how to how to be agents of healing in their lives. And that doesn't require um, A lot of uh, um, Technical skill, you don't. it's not brains. It's not brain surgery. Um, It's kindness, patience goodness, gentleness. Oh, wait a minute. It's the fruit of the spirit. That's the medicine. And, um, and, and so we as nurses, we as interns, um, come alongside our Lord Jesus Christ, the great physician. And we become, we become a place of healing. And I have to say that's that we've really experienced. That is true. So I, I just got an email from a guy today and, and he claims like nowhere he's ever gone Blah, blah, blah. Everybody always blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, as long as you look at it that with those lenses, that's probably how you'll experience it. But our experience is that when when I was down and out, it was Jesus following community who carried me along. Uh, when Eden was struggling in her last year before she came with the bridge with her health and and just kind of overwhelmed life Um, was uh, Sarah and Carrot came alongside carried her that year that's why she came to the bridge and great one great reason because it it was a healing place for her and she and uh, not just those two ladies but the whole context the atmosphere for Eden was incredibly healing well that's worth gathering for we don't do that well very well um in isolation okay second metaphor jesus loves this one it's a banqueting table it's a feast so it's not just a place of healing it's a place of nourishment and celebration and and party and and uh that's one of the great things about even you know let's say uh as as you're going to start rolling back into corporate worship that has a has a a musical and a singing element some of you have really missed that and it's why well I think people are made to be music lovers that's just normal but then when why (laughs) well because one aspect of music is to express our hearts and to and, and we do that in lament but we also do it in celebration and so so um so then this idea of a banquet it's 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 a wedding feast and you have many, many times where Jesus um, either actually attends a a feast or a banquet, sometimes seems to almost host it. And other times while at the banquet, he's talking about the kingdom as a banquet. And so um, that too seems like something really important. And I know, I know you've been uh, banging away for well, I've been listening in the background as you've been banging away on it at this, the theme of inclusion for six months or the last year, um, I want you to know that's not incidental. That's not a side thing to the gospel. In Jesus' model of church and the gospel itself, if the church is an open table, then evangelism is inclusion. It is go out to the highways and byways, look on the street corners and behind the hedges, compel them to come in, especially those who don't feel worthy or feel welcome they might need to be convinced that they are and uh, and so this i the, the idea of inclusion is part of the banquet metaphor so just so just cuz I, I wouldn't want us to get the impression <coughs> pardon that um inclusion is this is, is this rabbit trail that you're on at the moment oh, it's it's part of a bigger whole but it's it's central to the good news you're included you're welcome come to the table there's a place for you um, a third metaphor that's used especially i I think in I think of first John that's where I enjoy looking at it but it's the family it's a family and um, there's positive sides to that um, in terms of connection and and that the Christians called each other brother and sister and there's a lot going on there and Sometimes it was even, uh, uh, no, blood is not thicker than water. If water is baptism, <laughs> um, you're my brother, you're my sister. And, and the, the kind of awkward part of that is that means we're stuck together, you know? And so, so we have, you know, we always had Uncle Robert. That was Eden's... <laughs> Mum's dad. Uncle Robert was a biker. I remember accidentally Mom's pulling brother Mum's brother. Mum's brother was a biker and like and a roofer and a really salty language and all that and I, actually we pulled up b- beside him one day and we didn't know it was him at the lights and the kids are all like locking their doors. It's like, wait a bit, that's Uncle Robert <laughs> and um but like he's family. so it's not like he got a pass but it also, he didn't get the boot. And um, so that was interesting to just the, uh, so I mentioned first John. So in first John, this is 30 years after Paul's writing. So in Paul, he's talking about gifts, right? He's talking about evangelists and prophets and apostles and fivefold ministry stuff, pastors, teachers, all of that. You get to 30 years down the road, John's just like, Older, older men and women, younger men and women, children, brothers and sisters, love your brothers, love your brothers, love your sisters, love, uh, let's love each other. Hey, brother. Hey, So he's kind of moved beyond um, a whole lot of stuff on bishops and priests and pastors. He's moved up. He's not talking really much about pastor uh, apostles and prophets and all of that which got really popular in the charismatic movement it's just like john john knows how that stuff turns into hierarchies and he's trying to flatten flatten the relationships out a little bit i think and um his his last words are allegedly you know brothers love brothers and sisters let's love each other when he's in his 90s you know and they're carrying up they've got to entertain him a little bit they got to carry him up to the in front of the church and give him his two cents worth and because you know he's an old guy and he knew jesus so you better let him talk brothers and sisters let's love each other let's love each other so that's the family metaphor well what part of church do i hate so far do i hate the hospital do i hate the 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 banquet do i hate my family um and you know and i i mentioned it it has been a really—it's been a really rough week for the church. Uh, another three churches were burned down today, or in the last day, uh, in Canada, in reaction to more revelations about about unmarked graves of Indigenous children. And you know, people I dearly love are on Twitter just saying "f the church." Well, that, That's a pretty broad brush, um, and it's—I guess—we have to just take our licks at the moment and say. Well, yeah, in fact, we do identify with Jesus. And I guess we're the church. And I guess, blessed are you when you're reviled and persecuted and people say all kinds of things against you falsely. If only it were falsely, you know, like, uh, but we've got a there's a real tracker record to contend with. And... Um, And and it's painful. But this leads us to a fourth metaphor. And, um, and, and it it has to do with our mission. So right now, I know that I know that it's very popular to, um, um, to talk about the importance of decolonizing because of the way colonization has, has, has been such a disaster for vulnerable people. that said jesus called his disciples to himself and he said go into all the world and share the good news across all nations Uh, teach them what i taught you and that sounds a lot like indoctrination and colonization to me but wait a minute what if like let's not let the narrative cloud the facts the facts include that terrible things were done in Jesus name to vulnerable people. Land was stolen. Children were killed. Nations were exploited. And uh, like without any excuses for that, we have to ask what Jesus was thinking. Cause it wasn't that. Nor was it retreating into a cupboard and just becoming a a culture uh, uh, that's hunkered down behind walls what he wanted to do and did do is he sent people across the world with good news that god is a loving father who doesn't need you to do sacrifice your children anymore where so the great irony is when children were sacrificed in the name of the church signing up for state agendas that wasn't Jesus' idea. Jesus saw child sacrifice across the whole world, and wherever the good news actually went, child sacrifice stopped. Jesus knew that there were religions all over the world that required widows to get on the funeral pyre with their dead husband and die in the flames. Wherever the good news went, that stopped. Um, it was not about colonizing the world for capitalist systems and and our greed it was about colonizing dark places with light so that people didn't have to be afraid of god anymore and appease him with strange practices you know so we saw this directly in um when we visited haiti in the early 90s MCC was very careful about this stuff. They did not want to impose Western culture onto Haitian practices and culture. They didn't want to do, they didn't want to erase cultures. On the other hand, they wanted them to stop being afraid, you know, because if you were afraid that your neighbor's crop was growing better than yours, you would accuse them of sending spirits over And so, and stealing the spirits from your land. And then when their crops grew well and they put the seeds into a granary, you would go burn their granary down. (laughs) That like, that's a, that's bad. And so MCC goes in with a culture of, you don't have to be afraid. That's really good news, you know? And so, so we have this mission and I was just listening to, let's check our time. I was I was just listening to an incredible little homily by a, fr- a fairly new friend of mine, uh young pastor. I don't know how young, maybe he's maybe he's 40. Maybe less. One night his wife and and who he adores, he, they went to bed one night and then the next morning he gets up, he goes down to make her breakfast. He calls her down for breakfast and she she says I can't I can't come. And he goes up and he finds out, like, overnight she's become paralyzed. It was some strange, advanced, really fast neurological issue. They've not been able to solve it. So here's this beloved wife who instantly has has become completely um, incapable or incapacitated of caring for herself. Then he gets cancer. And he's now on his... He's just finished his 11th round of chemo. And it's, it's just so brutal, right? And so he, I think I'll send you the link. Um, he does a little, you know, 13-minute sermon. He's talking about what has Christ called us to do and to be. So this last metaphor of those who go, sent ones, mission. missions are Missions become a swear word too because of our ideas about missionaries and so on. But wait a minute. The way he saw it is um, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its savor, what good is it? How can it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown out and untrampled under the feet of men. Well, that's dire. <laughs> but okay, so what is it to be the salt of the world? And he, what he did is he connected it with the previous verses, which is the Beatitudes. To be the salt of the earth is not to be old-style evangelists or missionaries that we imagine necessarily, although there was some of that. But if you connect it with the Beatitudes, it is, it, to be the salt of the earth is to, is to live the Beatitudes in this world. As Jesus followers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, blessed are the merciful, Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Why blessed? Why? Because they are the salt of the earth, that is, they are excreting the the beatitudes into this world through blood sweat and tears i checked with dr steve he says um aside from peeing blood sweat and tears are those are three other ways that we salt goes out from our bodies and this guy was using that as a metaphor and i thought interesting coming from such a man who's in where he's at where he could be so easily enraged at god and where his heart's broken about the news about indigenous people, the news about his wife, the, the pain of going through so much chemo. And he comes out of that and, and he says, we, we are sent ones. And our job is not to take over the world. Our job as sent ones is, well, and, and as nurses and as waiters of the banquet and as children in the family. Uh, We're also those who are called to um, be agents who restore all things. That's Jesus' agenda in Acts chapter 3. He has an agenda to restore and reconcile all things. So that sounds like a good job. I don't think if people come to my street and they use any of these four metaphors, people in our, our cul-de-sac if, if if I see them healing people if I see them feeding people if I see them playing together as family and having a barbecue and and then going out and reconciling the world to the plan of Jesus I just that that's when Jesus says, you know, you're the light of the world. City on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel. No, they put it in a lampstand and it gives light to all those who are in the house. House, so let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and say, F the church. No, <laughs> that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who's in heaven. And so I realize that this is more of a dream right now, again. But it's it's a reason for me to not walk away from the dream. That's for sure. So let's open it up for input and questions and so on.
0: Yeah. If, um, anybody has questions or comments or something you'd like to share, you're welcome to, we just ask that you, um, unmute, uh, maybe at the bottom of your screen, you can, um, there's a little thing that says reactions. Is that right? And, um, and you can put up your hand um, in that. And then that way, uh, it kind of lines people up if there's more than one or two people waiting. So, um, and then after you've finished your comments or, or the dialogue, we just ask that you turn your mic off again, just so we don't have extra sounds going through. Would anyone like to start?
2: I would, I love that thing
0: about salt and being sent ones. And I was just thinking
2: how salt makes things taste better, but it doesn't impose salt's flavor on them. It actually brings out the flavor of the thing. Um, and how maybe that's what sent ones are meant to do, is to bring out the flavor of those that they're sent to and to, and to mm-hmm. make it better um, yeah. by taking the light and the love of Jesus there. It's just a thought.
1: It's a good thought. Unless you oversalt, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you done with this metaphor.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe I can just ask a question if, um, I know there's a lot of things that a lot of us are, are done with, or we feel like, oh man, that part really needs to go about church. Um, but what what do you dream about church looking like? What do you imagine would be a healthy form of church that um, that you think you would want to be a part of and that others would want to participate in as well. One thing that I would like to
3: see, or that I, that when I think of a a church or I think of something positive uh, uh, that a church could look like, I I think of uh, not maintaining all these big fancy buildings. I think I keep thinking about all the people I know who have food security issues and housing issues and are living at the poverty line or lower. And yet, you know, the church budget is big, you know, and I and I keep thinking what could be done with that money. And and maybe that's maybe that you know, and I'm sure it's not an original idea or um you know, <laughs> but it's just something that that I always I always think about. That I, I just feel like the church just shouldn't be a place that is going to cost a lot of money to maintain.
1: I put a giant Facebook link into the podcast I was talking about. <laughs> there must be a shorter way, but I'll look for it.
4: Um. <clears throat> When you said that, Lori, um, it made me think of a dream I have is that the church, like the bridge, if we ever had enough money to buy a building again, um, that we would share it like perhaps with five and two or something. It could be a community center most of the week and um, have a place to gather for food. Like when our church goes down to feed them at the park, you know it's in the rain or it's in the hot sun or it's it's whatever I mean sometimes it's a nice picnic, but so yeah. to to have enough humility to share and um share it well, yeah.
1: One of, our, one of our friends, they're in a church in Manitoba, and they're thinking these same thoughts, and they do own a building, but they're what they want to do is, she's thought a lot about, this is Darlene and stick. she's thought a lot about about how to, you know, Jesus self-emptying, he emptied himself, and what, what would it be like for a church with a building to do that, and sort of divest themselves of the power over the building but become true sharers in it and it's it's a bit tricky because as long as it looks like oh the church is still holding the umbrella then people aren't aren't really sure that you know but um um i think it's going to work they're they're working hard at this they call it so the greek the the word for self-emptying in philippians 2 is kenosis so we called it canotic that means self-emptying divestment that means spreading out the power. And it's exactly what you're talking about, Kathy. Uh, and what if you did that by design, right? And I think that'd be wonderful.
2: I just love the idea of, of, uh, of sharing any building. I mean, I'm glad up till now we haven't had a building, but sharing a building um, as a community thing so that it could be you know, used as a resource, whether it's for food or for shelter, or for uh, schooling kids that are in trouble or, you know, a resource centre even. So even if, you know, we can't be all and be everything, but we can catalogue a whole load of helpful resources that would help community. So, um, yeah, it would just be so great to be almost like a, a sorting house and we could send people to all those different organisations that have already got this stuff worked out, whether it's for released prisoners or youth that are in trouble or unmarried mums or just just be in the nitty gritty of life and society and community. And then I think church bleeds into the community um, with its love, sweat and tears definitely not the thing you were talking about (laughs) and um you know just we we can just be in everything and and carry with it the you know love the love of jesus that makes such a lot of sense to me than having a church building that you use for church on sundays and maybe something midweek
1: it's funny that i mean the the whole history of the bridge is that you others have shared with you right like Mm -hmm their buildings. You you know what it's like to be hosted in the school or the barn or wherever it was. There's the Sinclairs. Hi, guys.
0: I think, too, like what I'm hearing from, um, from Lori and from Karen, too, is um, moving from being self-serving as a community to being to serving the community and um you know we put we can especially if we have buildings but we can be pretty focused on the needs within the community um kids youth and have all kinds of programs going um which in and of themselves are are fine but we lose contact with everyone outside of that cluster of people and um And the the idea of reaching out to serve, not for any self-serving reason, not so that they'll come to our church, not so that they'll tithe, not so that we have big numbers, but just because they need something and we can offer it. If it's only, you know, a a little bit of space or um, some people to help volunteer, right? Anyone else?
4: Um also that oh, as a church we could build bridges with other community organizations, you know, archway. We don't have to invent a solution. We can just join in and say how how could we be part or how can we host you or how can we whatever.
1: That's exactly right. It it you know what is that about us needing to us? I won't include you, but the Royal us uh, needing to reinvent uh, infrastructures that are already in place that are, that need, that don't have enough people helping already. Right. So when, when we were leading fresh wind, we noticed this, it's like uh, five and two was already doing a better job than we could do. So why would we try to do a a four and one (laughs) when we could just send volunteers over there? Why? Um, and then Life Recovery was doing a better job with, with women in addiction than we could ever do. Why would we do like semi-life in recovery when we could send people there? And, and we just started, we tried to make it that our church was using all its gifts in other organizations. And what ended up happening was there was two-way traffic then started happening because all these care homes for people with disabilities, it'd be like, um they'd maybe send their folks our way and then we'd go do a home group with them and then pretty soon they were calling us first about um hey is there anyone in your church looking for a job we need care workers and then our our kids are working at husky you know pumping gas and they're like you mean i could work with these guys instead and get like get paid it's like oh yeah and then and then with the women in the recovery house suddenly Suddenly all the women were coming to our church and people in our church were now the volunteers over there. And there was something, the picture I had in my mind at the time was sort of like um, roadways between us and all these organizations. And the traffic along the roadways was creating fruit along the roads. It was just quite remarkable. And it was about giving ourselves away, right? And that we found ways to screw that up. But you know, it, um, it sure beat trying to make lame versions of something everyone else, everyone else was already doing. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we don't need to belabor stuff. I hope this has helped a little bit in terms of reimagining um, that when you hear the word church, I know even for those who still attend churches, churches become a swear word. And I hear real bitterness when I hear the word, but if you could think banquet, <laughs> hospital, family, and this, this maybe be um, agents of light. Um, we don't need everyone to love us, but maybe we could start by not hating ourselves when we hear bad news about the big <laughs> see church you know so um let me just pray a blessing on all of you Uh, father in heaven thank you for these brothers and sisters who um are visible visible church for me right now and and uh when people make hateful comments about abstract organizations i just think of the Claussens, and I'm like, what do you mean? And, and I think of Jeff and Bonnie, it's like, well, who would hate Jeff and Bonnie? That's silly. And uh, so would you help us remember that we're brothers and sisters, Diane Jansen is church. And Jackie is church and Mark is church, John and Lori. That's, that's the real deal. And so, um, um, would you continue to help us in our reimagining and in Jesus' name? Amen.
3: So,